hopefully you know this. If you don't uh, know this, uh, our church has a mission statement of what we believe Intercity Baptist Church exists to do. Uh, We exist to glorify God by making and maturing disciples who together are becoming like the Lord Jesus Christ. And we really take that in many ways from Matthew 28, 19, and 20, which I think lays out the mission of the church. In some ways, the passage that we started looking at last week, and Lord willing, we'll continue looking at tonight, gives us the mission of humanity. What did God create mankind to do? And we find that in Genesis chapter 1, beginning in verse 26. So I invite you to take your Bibles and open up to Genesis chapter 1 and verse 26. Last week, we we focused on the, the teaching that mankind is made in the image of God, male and female, and that we are to reflect his uh, person and character. Related to that is the task that God gives to us. And this is often called the dominion mandate or the creation mandate. And I think what we'll see here in this text is that God created humanity to glorify him as his vice regents or or under rulers uh, on the earth, to populate the earth and to responsibly rule creation. So let's read this section in Genesis chapter one, beginning in verse 26. And God said, let us make man in our image, according to our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the sky, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. God created the man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over every living thing that moves on the earth. So in this passage, we see God giving mankind commands him delegating to mankind what mankind is supposed to do. And the first command that we see, the first emphasis that we'll focus on is found in verse 28. It's the command to populate the earth. Uh, There's three commands related to that in verse 28. Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. And perhaps that repetition is there to emphasize the importance of this task. And part of the reason they're called to do this is related to the second command we'll see here in a moment, that in order to carry out the task God gave to them, they need more people and they need to spread out over the earth because the world is very large. At this point in time, there was only two of them in the garden. And so they needed to spread out and populate the earth if they're going to carry out this task. And yet we see as well that this work of procreation is something that is an evidence of God's blessing to them. In verse 28, he blessed them and said to them. And so we see consistently in scripture that the family and and especially children are a blessing from the Lord. There's something to be viewed with joy and to be welcomed. And this is perhaps one of the reasons why God, as he made humanity, he made them male and female. Because in order to fulfill this task, both are necessary. You need male and female if you're going to be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. I want to note something uh, in relationship to that. I didn't uh, emphasize this last week, I think maybe quite as clearly as I could have, uh, but in light of the 
some of the confusion in our day, I think it's important to keep in this in mind. I mentioned last week that, that being male or being female is part of God's good creation, and that's true. What we can't necessarily do today is look at what we are and say, this is what God intends. We can look in Genesis 1 and say, this is what God intends, because at this point in time, he gets to the end of the chapter, he looks at all of it and says, this is good. We don't live in Genesis chapter 1. We actually live after Genesis chapter 3. We live after the sin. We live after the fall. We live after this world is now suffering under the curse. And so because of that, people who today say something like, well, I was born this way, and so God must want me to be this way, uh, aren't necessarily uh, accurately reflecting what we'd find in Scripture. We can see that being male or female is itself a good gift. Some of the, the potential distortions of that in our day are not necessarily something we'd say, this is part of God's good creation and therefore a reflection of his image. So I think that's important to keep in mind as we're working through this. We'll see this as well in talking about the dominion mandate. That God blessed mankind, male and female, so that they would be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. I think it might be important for us to ask, is this a command for us? Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. I think at one level, we'd have to say it seems like it is. There's nothing in scripture that would necessarily remove this command. We wouldn't necessarily undermine this reality. And so it seems that this command would still be in place. And I think as we look around the world, generally speaking, cultures that do this, that multiply and, and fill the earth, are cultures that tend to flourish much more than cultures that don't. That cultures that stop this work of bearing children and forming families end up suffering and ultimately dying out. And so generally speaking, we'd look at this as a good thing. Marriage is good. Raising children is good. If you're in a marriage, you should be thinking this is an opportunity potentially in which we can uh, help form children and raise children. But I think it is important to understand this is not necessarily a command that every single individual has to take up. This is a command for humanity as a whole. And we certainly would see this because Paul, for example, in, in 1 Corinthians 7, uh, mentions the fact that he wishes that many people would be single like him in order to carry out the tasks that God's given for them. So Paul doesn't look at this and say, well, I personally have to be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. Sometimes the Lord in his providence doesn't allow people to do that. If you're not married, this is not a command for you. If you're not able to, this is not a command for you. Additionally, I think we see principles like 1 Timothy 5 that, that mentions the fact that a man needs to be able to provide for his household. And so there certainly would be wisdom in saying, how many children can I really provide for? And so I don't think we could look at this passage and say, the Bible says, have as many kids as you possibly can. I think the Bible would say, children are a blessing of the Lord. Now, generally speaking, we would want to see this happen. We want to see children uh, coming from our marriages, children growing up within our families. This is a blessing and something that we would rejoice in. And so we have this command to humanity to populate the earth. 
And then secondly, we have a command to responsibly rule over creation, to exercise dominion. See this first of all in verse 26. Let us make man our image according to our likeness and let them rule over the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, and over the cattle and over all the earth, over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. And again in verse 28, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth and subdue it and rule over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the sky, over every living thing that moves on the earth. So there's two words that are used here. The first is the word rule, uh, which really has the idea of exercising dominion. And it's used several times in scripture. Uh, One time it might kind of have a sense of harshly rule, uh, but almost that that generally is not the focus. Generally it is uh, exercising a, a responsible kind of care over others. And this is tied in with the image of God. God says, let us make man in our image and let them rule. And so in some way that this is connected together. And I don't think I mentioned this last week, but in a lot of cultures, it was believed that kings and rulers were made in the image of God because they were set up as vice regents over creation. Yet scripture would tell us all humanity is made in the image of God. And all humanity therefore has this kind of role of being a vice regent. And that's basically, it's kind of the idea of being a governor. It's, it's someone who is set in charge over something under the authority of the, the lead ruler. And so this is all humanity has this responsibility. All humanity has this role. And they are called to rule and they are called to subdue. A subdue can have a little bit more of a sense of subjugating, taking someone in and making them your slave, basically. But I don't think the context would point to that. I think probably a better way to, to think of subdue would be perhaps the idea of to settle, to establish uh, your, your own civilization in a sense. And so that's really what's going on here. I think it's, it's parallel to what we'll see, Lord willing, in a few weeks in chapter two, in which God sets man in, in the garden to cultivate the ground and to till the earth and so, uh, and to keep the land. So I think that's really the emphasis here on subdue. And as I said, this is done under God's sovereignty. We see this in part because in 29 and 30, we looked at this last week, God gave to mankind every plant bearing seed for food. At this point in time, man couldn't come along and say, boy, that looks like that meat would be really good. Let me kill this animal and eat it. Eventually, God will allow mankind to do that. But as of right now, he can't do that because his authority is not ultimate. God's authority is ultimate. And so there are limits and bounds to what man can do in exercising his dominion and authority. And so mankind is not owners. They're not owners of the world. They're not supreme rulers over the earth. They are stewards of God's creation. And so what does it mean then for humanity to exercise dominion, to to responsibly rule over creation? So I'm going to quote Dr. McCune. I think he gives a good summary of this. This action of subduing denotes a conscious effort to discover the secrets and treasures of creation for the enrichments of humans to the glory of God. So it's a conscious effort. It's not something that just happens. We are called to actually act. 
and we're to do so with thought and care. What is it? To discover the secrets and treasures of creation. To explore and to utilize what this world is for the enrichment of humans. It's for mankind to be able to, to flourish to the glory of God. And so what does this look like? Well, it works like, it looks like people working and producing, uh, farming and, and creating food for people to eat, working in textiles, creating clothing and, and, and bedspreads and things like that, uh, creating books and, and utilizing uh, trees to create paper. It looks like uh, fossil fuels and, and creating energy. It looks like uh, science and technology of, of creating medicines and applying uh, medical knowledge to help uh, people to overcome sicknesses and diseases, uh, of, of creating resources and tools for people to use like phones and computers and vehicles. It looks like the creation of arts like music and stories that would allow us to, to uh, see beauty and truth. I think it looks like exploring, perhaps exploring history through archaeology today as well, uh, exploring this world and even exploring space, looking at what we have in this creation that God has given us. And then bringing order. If we're going to exercise rule or dominion or to subdue, it means bringing order. As I said, creating civilization, creating culture. And so we are taking things that, that perhaps have some measure of chaos and putting them into a state in which they are better suited for people to be able to live in and use. And much of what we do is like this, gardening, forestry, those who are involved in lawn care, uh, taking the grass and, and crazy bushes and, and making them into usable and beautiful things. Uh, government. That's one of the roles of government is to help create order in society. First responders, police officers, firemen are helping to bring order into this world. I think a lot of what uh, we do in domestic life would fall into this kind of category. Uh, cleaning, cooking, uh, helping establish order within a family and in a home. Much of this is, is flowing out of what we're called to do as humanity. We are called to exercise rule, to utilize the resources of this world so that human life can be uh, enjoyed and advanced. Now, one question that we might have as we come to a passage like this is what should we think about climate issues and uh, ecology? What should we think about concerns for the environment? I think this passage would point, would push back against some false views that are dominating a lot of the discussion about environmental issues in our day. That one false view is that humanity, in a sense, is an intruder into this world. And that wouldn't surprise us if we think about evolutionary theory. The world's been around for a really, really long time, and humanity just kind of came on the scene. And so... What right do we have to say that, that this world in any sense should revolve around us? And so the emphasis isn't on the uh, humanity, it's actually on earth. And then related to that, uh, mother nature or mother earth is considered supreme in our world. 
Uh, some of you may have seen there was a, a video that Apple put out not that long ago in which this lady who is Mother uh, Nature comes and visits them and judges them on how well they're, they're working on improving the environment. And it was a fascinating uh, kind of uh, a video because I think it pointed to very much a perspective that this is what a lot of people worship in our day. There in a sense is a God or a goddess to whom we are accountable. And we need to make sure that we are uh, submitting to Mother Nature or Mother Earth and what we're called to do. And yet, in a biblical view, nature is, is not to be served by humanity. humanity. Nature is to serve humanity. I think as well, another view that we don't necessarily see in this passage, but I think in the broader uh, context of Scripture, that this earth is ultimately under God's care and control. And he's, he's not going to allow humanity to destroy the world before he's done with it. And so there isn't, if I say this way, there's not the kind of catastrophic uh, possibilities out there because the world is not on its own. There is an all-powerful God who's overseeing all things, made the world for humanity to live in. Now, having said that, I think there is indications in the text that would point us to a biblical view of environmental care or ecological concern. As I said, nature is to serve humanity. And so the resources should be used by us. They're they're here for us to take advantage of, to employ, to discover, and to form and organize into ways that can serve humanity. Now, I think it's important to remind ourselves, it's not just to serve me or to serve our current generation, it is humanity. Which means we should have some thought and concern of, well, what happens after we are off the scene? As Christians, I think it certainly would be wise for us to consider, do do we want rivers in which people can swim and fish can live? Uh, Do we want forests and trees? Is that something that we'd want to have for future generations? then yes, maybe we should think about ways in which we could preserve certain things. And even though nature is meant to serve humanity, this passage would remind us humanity is meant to serve God. And so if we're asking, well, what would be best for humanity? How might we use this in order to help human flourishing? We'd have to ask, well, what is human flourishing? What does God want us to do? How does God want us to live. And so it's not a purely utilitarian perspective of the earth is for us and let's just use it for whatever we want. We're constantly recognizing that we are only stewards of God's creation. And so as we utilize God's creation, we are meant to reflect his purposes and his care for this world. That God lovingly and wisely made this world. And this world itself points to his glory and his majesty. And so we should want to have responsible care for this world. And so that is one of the reasons why we would say animal cruelty is wrong. Now, it's interesting, related to the false view, it seems as if animal cruelty is the worst kind of cruelty in our world today. People are much more upset if they hear about dogs being mistreated than they are if they hear about babies being mistreated. That's certainly an inversion of what we see in scripture. 
And yet, that doesn't mean that we shouldn't care about animals. We shouldn't care about creation. It's God's creation. So there's a proper care that we have. There is a responsible ruling that we have. I mentioned this with the image of God. We also wrestle with this with this dominion mandate. What happened with sin? When sin came along, is this off the table now? I think the answer has to be no. It's still in place in some capacity. And we see that in part by looking at Psalm 8. If you would turn to Psalm chapter 8. Psalm 8, and we'll start reading in verse 4. We'll start reading verse 3, actually. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have ordained, what is man that you take thought of him, and the son of man that you care for him? Yet you have made him a little lower than God, and you crown him with glory and majesty. You make him to rule over the works of your hands. That's the kind of language we saw in Genesis 1, right? To rule over creation. So what does he mean? You've made to rule over the work of his hands. Well, he begins to describe that. You've put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen, and also the beasts of the field, the birds of the heaven, and the fish of the sea, whatever passes through the paths of the sea. That, that language is almost identical to the kinds of things we see in Genesis 1. So I think here we, we see God's intention of the dominion manion in some way is still in effect. And yet... At this point in time, we can't actually do it. And we see that in Hebrews chapter 2. If we would go to Hebrews chapter 2. Hebrews chapter 2, beginning in verse 6. But one has testified somewhere saying, What is man that you remember him? or the son of man that you were concerned about him. And what's being quoted here? What we just read in Psalm 8. You have made him for a little while lower than the angels. You've crowned him with glory and honor. You've appointed him over the works of your hands. You have put all things in subjection under his feet. For in subjecting all things to him, he left nothing that is subject to him, but nothing that is not subject to him. But now we do not yet see all things subjected to him. That mankind is not yet exercising the kind of dominion that God intended for mankind to exercise. That's because of sin. That sin created challenges. So we go through, we'll look, Lord willing, in a few weeks in Genesis chapter 3 and see the curse. And the curse in many ways is related to this dominion mandate. We're called to be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. And yet now it's through pain that childbearing will occur. And mankind is called to, to rule and subdue creation. Yet now thorns and thistles come up. It's by the sweat of his brow that they're going to have food. And so now we're frustrated and we're hampered. Mankind cannot fully exercise dominion over this world. And yet, as I said, in some way it continues. In some way it's still in effect. But I think it's important, known as I tried to do at the beginning, that this is not the church's mission. This is humanity's mission. This is not what the church has been called to do. The church is not called to exercise dominion and to subdue the earth. Mankind is, both believers and unbelievers. 
So that's why as a church, for example, we don't set up a center for the arts because art is a way that we can display God's creative glory. Is that true? Yes, that's true. That's one way that mankind in general does that. It's not what the church does. We don't set up research institutes to, to evaluate the different effects of, of medicinal uses. Is that a good thing? Yeah, that's a great thing for humanity to do. But it's not what the church has been called to do. This is something that as individual Christians, we can participate as part of humanity made in God's image. But we don't want to distract the church from admission it's been given. And this is well, we see in scripture, we can't through our own efforts in this world to bring this about. But one day it will be brought about. One day, as Hebrews points to, it's not yet, but it is coming. Because one day Jesus will establish his rule on the earth. He will set up his millennial kingdom. At that point in time, mankind will be ruling as God's vice regent over creation, perfectly ruling and subduing the earth. So a few thoughts for us to consider as we close. I think this is a good reminder to us that we should value, champion, and encourage families and children. It's a good thing. It's a good thing. It's a blessing from the Lord. It's also a reminder to us that work is a good and necessary part of humanity. That work is not something that was introduced after sin. Being productive and working and utilizing our gifts and skills to organize and rule over creation is something God intended for us to do from the very beginning. Which is why when people no longer are focusing on things like that, there's a lot of issues that come up those that are not productive. And by, I don't mean have a job. You don't have to be paid to do these things. But if you're not doing these kinds of things, you will not find the kind of of joy and purpose that God has made humanity to have. I think as well, this reminds us that every kind of work that encourages human flourishing and and, uh, and works to make creation good uh, and, and useful is good. Not just spiritual jobs, not just highly visible jobs, but the kinds of things that are necessary for humanity to be able to survive. All those things are good and valuable ways in which we honor the Lord and fulfill his purposes for us. And yet we are reminded that we are responsible and accountable to God for our stewardship that I think in one level, we will give an account to God for whether or not we sought to use the abilities and gifts that he has given to us to help subdue and rule over this creation for the good of humanity and for the glory of God. That's a reminder again that we don't get to decide what that looks like. We don't get to say, well, I want to use my creative purposes in this way. My creative purposes have to reflect God's creative purposes that I need to be pointing to things that are good and true and beautiful. And finally, I would encourage us to rejoice that one day Jesus will responsibly rule over all creation. I want you to turn to Isaiah chapter 11 to see a glimpse of what this will look like. Isaiah chapter 11. And verse 6. 
and the wolf will dwell with the lamb, and the leopard will lie down with the young goat, and the calf and the young lion and the fatling together, and a little boy will lead them. Also, the cow and the bear will graze. Their young will lie down together, and the lion will eat straw like the ox. The nursing child will play by the hole of the cobra, and the weaned child will put his hand on the viper's den. They will not hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain, for the earth will be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you made this world a good world, a world that is rich with resources, a world that is well-suited for us to be able to live in a world that you have called us to exercise dominion over. And so we pray that we would be faithful in the tasks you've given to us as those made in your image, that we would seek to, to extend your rule over creation, your order and your design. And Lord, help us to not grow weary in this task, to be thankful for the calling that we've received, and yet to continually hunger and yearn for the day in which this will be perfectly done. No longer be frustrated in our efforts to bring about peace and harmony, to bring about order and design. It'll be perfectly done because Jesus is ruling on his throne. Pray this in his name. Amen.